ever needed a rewind in your life? Have you ever needed to, have you started something and ever needed, ever needed a rewind? Well, today I guess I needed a rewind. So, uh, good morning. My name is Randy Esparza, and on behalf of Pastor Tim and Tricia Sanders, we would like to welcome you to Spirit of Grace Church. And again, not many people here today, but I just want to thank each and every one of you for your generosity, uh, you know, for so many reasons, um, but everything that you have done to make a Christmas for some children that you may never meet in your life. You may meet them, you may never meet them in your life, but there's, I don't know how many, but anywhere from 25 to 35 kids that Spirit of Grace Church has made a Christmas for. And I'm just going to share with you, you know, with the orphanage, um, and I'm just going to share with you, there are other churches that go down and and bless these kids and I'm thankful and organizations and I'm thankful for each and every one of them that do that but I will also tell you that Spirit of Grace Church when you know they start talking about Christmas at the orphanage these kids get to you know write what they want and you know I mean None of them have asked for like a brand new car or anything, which you don't see down there very much anyway, or none of them have asked for anything, you know, wild, wild, but some of them sometimes ask for some things that are kind of outlandish. And, you know, so then they kind of temper that down and then, you know, they write their list of three things that they want. And they don't go to the other organizations. Those lists come to Spirit of Grace. So. And I'm not trying to downplay any other organization, but these kids are so thankful for the gifts that you give them. And as a church family and as, as a church body, you know, there were so many people that, you know, went and bought gifts, took their time, took their talents and did that. But there were also people within our church that, you know, come up to Taryn, hey, you know, here's, you know, Put this towards the shipping or something. And I'm going to share with you something that happened to me a week ago yesterday. I was sitting in a restaurant with a guy. He was ministering to me. I was ministering to him. And this lady that used to come to our church real consistently comes up and says, Hey, how you doing? And it's like we, you know, get up and give hugs and whatever. And it's like we visit for a little bit. And seriously, this lady, she says, here's 50 bucks. Put that for the shipping. You know, and I don't even know if she gets her... I don't know if she gets our, you know, this week at Spirit of Grace Church, but, you know, I don't know any of that. But, she, you know what? God moved on this woman to say, here, you know, I want to be part of it. And, you know, there's so many times when God just moves on people, you know, to bless us, to bless people we don't even know. God moved on each and every one of you, and this is not even my message. And I better move on because I have a reputation of, you know, not even getting to my messages. So I'll move on real quick. But I'm just so thankful, you know, of everything that God has done. Oh. Before I move any further, we better pray because, uh, yeah, we'll need it today. So if we could uh, open in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy for your grace. We thank you for each and every person that's in this house today. We thank you, Lord, for each and every teacher, Lord God, that's in this house today. We pray, Lord God, that you anoint each and every class, Lord. Lift up each and every young child, young person, person that's here, Lord God. Open up our hearts and our minds, Lord God. We ask you that you anoint the teachers. And Lord, when we get together, Lord God, in an hour or so, Lord God, we ask you, Lord God, that your presence flow through our hearts, through our minds, Lord God, and your wonderful anointing flow through our pastor, Lord. Lord, you are worthy. Lord, you're great and greatly to be praised. And we thank you, Lord, for your love, your mercy, your grace, and your presence here today. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So I, uh, you know, I just want to share with you today, you know, uh, some scripture that, you know, you look at it and, you know, sometimes, you know, you've all heard this story and, <clears throat> you know, it's interesting and, you know, you heard this story when you were in first grade, I get it. So when you hear this and, you know, you think, yeah, this is some Kraft mac and cheese, you know, kid stuff. It probably is that, but, you know, I'm not the deep person here, at, you know, on the teaching staff, I'll promise you. But this is more at least like adult mac and cheese, so just keep that in mind when we're visiting, okay? And uh, what I'm going to, I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Version, and I'm going to start in Luke chapter 5. And I did have my Bible up here before I basically dropped it on the ground. And the reason I did is because I wanted to share, you know, just the way that Luke starts. <clears throat> Luke is a deep, deep guy. And Luke itself, if I can get to it, I just like the way that, that you know, Luke starts his book. And it, and it starts by this, and this isn't even my, my uh, scripture, but it says, many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They used eyewitness reports circulating among us from early disciples, having carefully investigated everything from the beginning. I have decided to write a careful account for you, most honorable Theophilus. I'm really, you know, quite a, a scholar when, when it comes to my Bible, so if I pronounce things wrong, you just got to run with me. So you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. The, Theophilus uh, means one who loves God. But this is how this guy starts out his account. You know, this guy's very, very, very detailed. And I love that, and, and this is one of the reasons why I chose to share it, Luke's account. It says, you know, in uh, Luke, uh, Luke chapter 5, it says, So it was, as the multitude oppressed about, pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got in, into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let your nets, let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the boat, in the other boat, to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Keep that in mind. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon, and Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed them. You know, I just love Luke's account because it's so much more in-depth than, than, you know, some of the others. You know, when I think of, you know, this, you know, I mean, I think of the song, you know, I'll make you fishers of men, fishers of men, you know, <clears throat> and I'm just going to share with you, if I start singing up here, you know, you just got to know, okay? And 
You know, I almost did the other day when Pastor Tricia and Tim were gone. I almost started singing, you know, Waymaker. And it's like, you just got to know and, and temper me down. Because if I start singing up here, this does not end well. Okay? So, I know that. But, yeah. But the whole, I'll make, your, make you fishers of men. You know, but I like Luke's account of this. Because, you know, some of the other accounts just say, hey, fellas, you know, let's go. Come on, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. But this account, okay, you got Simon who wasn't even Peter yet. And it's like he's washing his net. You know, he didn't do so well the night before. He's washing his net. His day is done. You know what? He's ready to clock out. But he was a businessman. He was kind of a big deal on that lake, you know. But he was washing his net. And Jesus says, you know what? Hey, you mind if I use your boat and push me out? Because, hey, look at all these people. And I'm just going to share with you, you know. So the chapter before, you know, Simon Peter knew Jesus, okay? He knew who he was at least. I know that. Because the chapter before, in verse or in chapter four, Jesus healed Simon's mother-in-law. Okay, so he knew who Jesus was. He knew the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. But I don't think that Simon and Peter were like besties at that point, because he says, "Depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man." At this point. You know, Simon slash Peter obviously hadn't had his conversion. He knew of the power. He knew of it all. And he saw him there. It's like, mm, there's Jesus. You know, and he's washing his nets. It's not like he's, you know, in the awestruck crowd. It's like, hey, preach to us. Do what you want to do. Heal somebody for us. He wasn't doing that. He was still working. Jesus says, hey, you know, can I borrow your boat? Could you push it out? You know, if it's me, you know, I'm just going to be honest with you. If I'm Peter, you know, if there were five of you, I'd probably put on a good, you know, yeah, I can push it out for you. But how would you react? Would you do that? Or would you say, actually, no, not pushing my boat out. I've had a bad night. I didn't catch any fish. I'm washing my nets. I'm going home. I'm going to bed. How would you react? Or would you have said, you know what, Jesus? You healed my mother-in-law. You can get the boat out yourself. Borrow it. I'm going home. I'm going to bed. Peter didn't do any of those things. Simon, excuse me. This is really, really difficult, the Simon-Peter thing. So if I say Simon, you know I'm talking about Peter. And if I say Peter, you know I'm talking about Simon. But this is difficult. And uh, But anyway, what he does is he listens. And when he listens, you know what? Jesus goes out. And he talks to all these people. He talks to the multitude. But you know, Jesus may use us. And he may use us to bless someone else. And it would be like, Jesus, I'm tired. I don't want to do this. But if you look, and I've already read the scripture to you, Simon didn't know that this was going to happen. But if you look, Jesus, you know, Use Simon to bless these other people. I don't know if he healed people that day. I don't know what he spoke about. You know, I don't know if he spoke about, you know, he probably didn't speak about his death at that point because that comes in a chapter or so later. But, you know, I don't know what he spoke about. What he done? He says to Simon, he says, you know what? Hey, um, why don't you just take your boat back out? Why don't you do that and go fishing again? You got to remember, this guy's already washed his nets. He's done for the day. You know, if he punched a clock, he was clocked out. And, you know, 
I love how he, and you got to just give me a second, but I love how he answers, okay? Because he answers in Randy Font, two pages back, you know, he says, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Now, did he say, Master, I know you healed my mother-in-law, and I love her most of the time. I know it was a miracle. She made you dinner that night or made you breakfast that morning when you did it. I owe you one. I'll let down my net. Have you ever felt, you know what, Jesus, I owe you one, so I'm going to do this for you? Or do you, I mean... I wish I could tell you, you know what? I jump up every day and say, Jesus, how can I be obedient to you? I wish I could tell you, you know what? I'm that spiritual. I'm not. But Peter says, you know what? All right, if that's what you want me to do, Jesus, I'll do it. And if you consider what happens next, he lets down his net. He lets down his net. And, you know, then all of a sudden there's way more fish than he can deal with. And he signals to James and John. And it doesn't say, you know, that Peter said, you know, to James and John, hey, you should go with him or anything like that. But he signals to James and John, hey, come help us. And I mean, so they have this whole night before nothing. And now all of a sudden they have way more fish than they can deal with. That's amazing. You know, but I love what happens next. Okay? So obviously they get all these fish. They get them dealt with. And the amazing part isn't what he did say. The amazing part is, is what he didn't say. And what he didn't say is, hey, could you help me come clean all these fish? I've got a problem here. You know, he didn't say to Jesus, you know, how'd you know they were down there? You know, what he does say, he falls on his knees. When was the last time you fell on your knees? When was the last time you were in the presence of God and fell on your knees? Because what Peter says is depart from me. For I'm a sinful man only. And then there's this astonishment thing. You know, I don't know how long it takes to be astonished. This time it took a couple verses, you know, you know, that he was astonished. James and John were astonished. You know, but there was a little astonishing time here. Okay, and then, you know, it says they were all astonished. And, and so after they're done with their astonishment, Jesus says to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men. That's not exactly like the song I learned in first grade. I'll make you, again, I shouldn't sing, should I? You know, the Fishers of Men song that you all learn. It's not exactly like that. It doesn't tell you everything in first grade. Like I said, this is kind of adult mac and cheese because you probably couldn't have grasped all this in first grade. I can't grasp it all now. So, I mean, but anyway... Jesus says, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men. And then he says, so, or then the verse says, so when they brought back their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. They forsook all and followed him. I'm just going to share with you what Randall Esparza forsaking all and follow Jesus would have been like back in that day. If I were... You know, Simon, you know, um, first of all, it would have been a big deal. And, you know, when he was out in the, you know, the, you know, in his preaching time there, you know, I probably would have, you know, name dropped. Yeah, that's Jesus. Yep. That's my boat. Yep. See those guys, Jimmy and Johnny? Yeah. We own Sons of Thunder Fishing. Right here. Right here. In fact, you know what? We're thinking of changing the name to this lake from Gennesaret to the Sea of Galilee. We're kind of big deals. That's what Randall Esparza maybe looked like. And I'll tell you what, 
after the catch. After the catch. Forsook all and followed him. I'm just going to tell you, it's like, if that's even if, you know what? My heart says, you know what? I will do this, Jesus, but you got to give me an hour. Because I'm going to guarantee you what Randall Espars would have done at that point. You know, Simon was connected. You know, he didn't just catch all these fish, I doubt, and, you know, and then, you know, go one by one on the street or, you know, peddle them to each household and say, hey, you know, we're sons of thunder fishing, you know, here, would you like to buy three fish? Simon was probably like, you know, the fisherman, and then he sold it to a wholesaler. I would have went and sold the fish. Don't go out and sell the fish. If I have a title for this message, don't go out and sell the fish. Just follow him. Just follow him. You know, Jesus, what is he doing here? He's recruiting his guys. And, you know, we've talked so many times about the recruiting. You know, Simon knew he wasn't qualified. He knew he wasn't qualified. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. I'm not qualified. I don't make the grade. You need to depart from me. Before you really, really, really find out who I really am, just depart from me, because I can't do this. But our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ knew his heart. Our Lord Jesus Christ knows each and every person's heart in here. And we can all say, we can all say, just like Peter said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. You're not qualified to follow Jesus. I'm not qualified to follow Jesus. Because you know what? We're no better than Peter. Jesus didn't care. He already knew that. Jesus knew I, I know that. I know that you're a mess. I know that. But you know what? I've got big, big, big plans for you. I've got big plans for you. Our Lord Jesus Christ has big plans for you. What would happen, like I said before? You know, what would happen if Peter says, I'm really tired. Can't use my boat. Sorry. I'm really, really, really tired. Nope. Here, use my boat, but I got to go home because you know what? In five more hours, I have to be at, you know, the conferences for my kids' school. In five more hours, I have to do this. I need to go home and go to bed. It's about me. How many miracles or what miracle would Peter have missed? This is his day of conversion. So I ask you, you know, how many miracles... And I asked myself this yesterday, I'll promise you. But how many miracles have you missed because you, you know, did wrong answer? Jesus, I'm tired. I'm tired, I need to go. I don't have time for that, Jesus. You know, someone else can minister to them. Someone else can do this. Someone else can do that. Our Lord Jesus Christ has a plan for each and every one of us. And he wants each and every one of us to answer his call. He doesn't care. He knows your sin. He knows what you're about. He knows the good. He knows the bad. He knows the ugly. And he, just like he knew Peter's. And, you know, when he had stopped you know, when he had stopped saying that, you know, hey, you know, Jesus, you know, I'm not worthy. You know, and he says, okay, they forsook all and followed him. One thing about Peter was, and you know, I don't know Peter's personality before, but you know, he obviously at that point was obedient. You know, was he an obedient guy? You know, again, I mean, he healed his mother-in-law, and I don't know why I'm going back all the time to the mother-in-law thing, but he healed his mother-in-law, so he obviously knew who Jesus was and what it was, so, you know, he, you know, did what he felt that he needed to do for Jesus. But, 
you know, then, you know, he forsook all, he followed him, you know, and then, in, you know, you keep going in chapter 5, and he's assembling a bunch of guys. You know, in, chap in chapter 6, if you, you know, look at what they talk about, they talk about miracles, you know, and then in chapter 7, if you look at that, you know, he starts to teach these guys, you know, and then if you look, you know, further down, um, I'm losing my place here, so you got to pray for me. But if you look for further down, you know, he starts to equip these guys. And so I just need to, you know, fast forward because, yeah, chapter 6, he starts to do miracles. Chapter 7, he does more miracles. He forgives a woman. Chapter 8, he teaches through parables. So that's how he starts to equip these guys. And then Jesus, in the middle of equipping these guys has the audacity to fall asleep. You know, in equipping you, Jesus has the audacity to say, hey, I'm taking a little break. Maybe he does it just to see how we react. Well, these guys, you know, in the middle of it, it's like, hey, Jesus, it's getting windy out here. You know, we're going to die on this boat. In the middle of their equipping, Jesus says, be still. And he calms the waves. And they're amazed. In the middle of my equipping, you know what? There's going to be waves. In the middle of my equipping, there's going to be things that, you know, come up. Jesus is equipping each and every one of us. The problem sometimes is we go sell the fish. That's the problem. Just wait. Just wait, Jesus. But I got to go do this. But I got to go do that. Jesus says, you know what? Just walk with me. You know what? There's going to be issues that come up in this wave. You're going to have to deal with some things. But just walk with me because I'm here to calm that wave. Jesus, you know, I mean, if you look at Luke, and, you know, I've read through Luke a little bit lately, and if you look at this, I mean, Jesus fits this all together, piece by piece by piece by piece. I mean, my wife, I really got to watch what I say because, you know, a couple messages ago, I talked about a pillow ministry. We still get a lot of business about the pillow ministry. Both of us. I'm going to move right along. But, you know, Luke, my wife, I mean, if she were a child, my wife loves Legos. And she's one of these people, and it, it's one of the waves that Jesus has me on. I'll just leave it at that way. But I cannot tell you how many times she said, and we have... I don't know, from when the boys were growing up. I mean, we have way too many Legos. And my wife said something like this. You know, we should just get like, you know, like the boxes. And we should like pick through each and every one of these Legos and put them so, you know, the Transformer Lego is over here. And the whatever city Lego is over here. And it's one of the waves. I'm just going to leave it at that. But... My point is, is this, you know, if you look at Luke, if you look at his book, you know, each part of Luke's book is fitly framed together. And what is fitly framed together to do is say, don't go sell the fish, just follow me and I'll equip you for what I want you to do. And that's what, you know, you look at, I'll make you fishers men, that's all great. You know, that's all great because we think, you know, the first, you know, the four, they were the fellas. You know, oh, Jesus has four disciples. Then he got several more, you know, eight more. They were the posse. They were the deal. But, you know, back again, you know, chapter 8, you know, he teaches through the parables. The waves come through, you know, and then... You know, they were probably astonished again when, you know, he healed the waves. I mean, I would have been. And then he heals a man, he heals a woman, and he heals a child. You know, he's equipping his boys. 
okay? He was getting ready to send them out. And so what happens is Simon goes, you know, from depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord, to one of his closest disciples. You know what? Jesus doesn't want us to stay at depart from me, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Jesus wants each and every one of us to follow his instruction and become equipped to become what he wants us to be so he can send us out. That's what Jesus wants from us because in in uh, in you know verse or in uh, chapter 9 you know it reads this in uh, chapter 9 I don't have it. I did text it to Elena. Elena's not here but it was like tons and tons of stuff. So but chapter 9, and I'm going to read, you know, for several verses, but it says, Then he called his 12 disciples together. Okay? You're sinful. I've shown you miracles. I've healed. I've taught you parables. I've equipped you. Now I'm sending you together. Okay? Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them the power and the authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, neither staffs, nor bag, nor bread, nor money. And do not have two tunics apiece. I don't know why that was in there, but it was. Whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart. And whoever will not receive you when you go out of that city shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them so they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere and that's you know through verse 6 and then a few verses later it says and the apostles went and they had returned to him and told him all that they had done that's really kind of nice, Randy. You know, that, that's great. You know, that's what, the, that's what they did. And that would be really, really cool for us if that's where this story ended. Because then we could have these nice warm fuzzies and say, yep, that's what the apostles did. You know, that was good. I just want to share with you, and I shared this before, what a disciple is. Okay? And this is all as concordancy as I get, okay? And out of Strong's concordance, a, a disciple is defined, and I've shared this with you before, the mental effort to needed, needed to think through something properly. A learner, a disciple, a follower of Christ who learns the doctrines of the Scripture and the lifestyle they require. Someone catechized with proper instruction from the Bible with its necessary follow-through. In parentheses, life applications. Yeah, it's all great. It's all great to come here on Sunday, listen to Pastor Tricia and the praise and worship team, you know, to make us feel awesome, you know, to praise God. It's all great to listen to Pastor Tim with you know, a message that's going to make us feel good. It's all great. But you know what? Jesus actually wants us each and every day. Each and every day. And he's got the disciples. He had his 12. And that's all cool. But the story doesn't end there. And therein lies the problem for you and I. The story doesn't end there. Because in, you know, he, so he sends his people out in chapter 9. They come back. And, you know, they tell them all the good things. And, you know, this happened and that happened. And they're all like on fire for Jesus. Holy, 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 holy. They're all like, hey, this is what happened. That's what happened. And then Jesus says, yeah, I'm going to feed the 5,000 now, but you're going to do it. And they say, come on, Jesus, how are you going to do that? You know, there's only this kid here that with food. You know, they weren't prepared. How are you going to do that, Jesus? I'm not doing it. You're doing it. What? So these disciples, these equipped guys, these equipped guys, you know, 
come back. I hate to say it, but I'm going to say it. It's kind of like us. They come back and it's like, how are we going to do this? Pastor Trisha, Pastor Tim, I got problems in my life. How are we going to take care of this? We're going to do it because Jesus equipped us. That's what he talks about. Feeding the 5,000, that's what he talks about in chapter 9. After that, he talks about his death twice. That's what's after that in chapter 9. Hey, I'm going to die. If you could write your death out, how would your chapter change? Jesus talks about his death. I'm going to share with you, if it's me, chapter 9, talking about my death, you wouldn't be here right now. I'll guarantee you. And the reason being is there wouldn't be a cross. Because you know what? Me, I ain't doing that. I would have took care of the people who were falsely accusing me along the way. You know, I can feed 5,000. I can heal some mother-in-law. I'm going to take care of the people that are in my way. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't do that at all. Hey, I'm going to talk about my death. And then what does he do? Have you ever been recruited? I was going to go into the Air Force. I thought about it for like a half hour. Said, you know what? Okay, I'm not even going to lie, and this is way off base, but I'm just going to tell you. So I listened to some scripture before I preached a lot of times about what I'm going to preach about. Preach is a really, really strong word, by the way, okay? When I get up and visit with you, I listen to some scripture, and this one guy says, you know, something about his job back in the day. So I'm thinking about that, and I'm thinking, how many jobs have I had? And I start writing them down, okay? You know? And then I start thinking to myself, okay, so could Jesus use a lawnmower? Yeah, probably. Could Jesus use a paper boy? Maybe. Could Jesus use a lutes and lifty? That's a ski hill thing. Eh, maybe not. Could Jesus use a Kirby vacuum cleaner salesman? That was only like for a week and a half. And I'll tell you what. They were cultish because they made us get up in the morning and sing. I don't even, you know, again, if I start singing, this doesn't end well. But, you know, no, he could not You, Okay, Jesus could use anybody. but And it gets worse. Could you, Jesus use a guy that worked in a turkey factory? I used to work in Genio. I was a big deal. I may or may not have gotten an altercation. Not at work, but in an altercation with someone. And may have not come back to my job less than bruised and battered. And they made me throw turkey tails in a box for a season. I mean, not, I'm not talking, you know, like six months. I'm talking like two days or something. And then you start looking, oh my gosh, why did I get off on this? And then you start looking, I got to finish this up, then I got to go get back. But then you start looking, you know, Alex, so Alex goes to school in Duluth and he gets his job at Super One and, you know, he doesn't like it and he quits and I'm thinking all parental, you know, if Alex would st have stayed at Super One, he probably could become someone someday, you know. And then, you know, Alex comes down here and then he, you know, one, two, skip a few and he gets this really, really good job where he's at now and it's like, you know, if uh, Alex stays at this job, he'll really become something someday. You know, but my point is, I don't even know why I'm starting to talk about this, and I really need to get back where I was. But, you know, Jesus knows exactly where he has us. You know, Jesus can use anybody anywhere. I don't really think that Jesus used me when I was tossing turkey tails in a box, but maybe some way, somehow, he used me. Ugh. Don't hold this against me, and let's not even talk about this anymore, because this is, you brought it up, Randy, I know. Again, you know, so this was really nice, end of story, the middle of chapter 9, Jesus, you know, 
he starts, you know, talking about the end, but then in the end of chapter 9, he's recruiting again. And in chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, 57 through 62, it says, Now it happened, as they journeyed on the road, that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, this is Jesus speaking, Follow me. But he said, Lord, but he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another said to him, and and another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me go first and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Okay, looking at this scripture, do you see how butts can get in the way? But Jesus. But Jesus. Most of the time your butts are full of crap. But Jesus, I know, you guys got to pray for me. I'm a mess if there ever was one, and I get it. Oh, my gosh. You have to consider what he's saying here. Don't go sell the fish. Don't go sell the fish. Just follow him. Because Jesus is going to equip you. Jesus is going to equip you. You can't go sell the fish. You just got to follow him. The problem with this right here and what frustrates me the most is this. You know, us, you know, blue-collar Christians, you know, we got it all together, you know, Jesus had his 12, and that's all fine until you turn the page and you realize, actually, there's a chapter 10. It'd be nice if he stopped at chapter 9, because guess what happens in chapter 10? It blows my whole theology. Depending on the translation you read, there's 70 or 72 more disciples. Jesus didn't didn't just stop at his chosen 12. That would have been nice for you and I. Nope, he had his 12. That's it. I don't have to worry about it because it was Jesus, those 12, and then the rest of us. And, you know, and we can just watch the Vikings and, you know, la, 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 la. But you know what? In chapter 10, verses 1 through 12, it reads this. Okay, again, remember, you know, he started recruiting. I'm going to die. I'm going to feed 5,000. You know, the first 12 came back, excuse me. You know, we had a good time. We talked about the good things. Now let's feed 5,000. It's like, Jesus, we can't do that. You know, um, yeah, we're going to, and we do it. And then, you know what? And then, you know, I'm going to die. And then back in 57 and through 62, I'm recruiting, you know, don't go back. And then it says, in chapter 10, it says, After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others, or 72, depending on which translation, and sent them out two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to him, to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, Pray the Lord of harvest, harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither ba- money bag, knapsack, nor sandals. And greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter first, say, Peace to this house. 
And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborers are worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive, each eat such things as are set before you, and heal the sick and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into the, the streets and say, This very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. So Jesus, you know, made them fishers of men. You know, he taught them. You know, he performed miracles in front of them. You know, he ate with them. You know, he, you know, calmed the waves. He did all that. He sent them out, you know. And then, you know, he did more miracles. And, you know, he said, I'm going to die. And then, you know, he recruits some more. And there's 70 or 72 of them now. And then he instructs them. He instructs them what to do next. And guess what happened? The 72 come back. You know, you skip a few verses, and then it says, or the 70. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. What are they saying? You know what? We had a great time out there. We were used by you. This is awesome. You know? And they were full of joy. And Jesus answers, and he says to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So this is what these people did. You know, they went out, they did what Jesus said, and Jesus is saying, I saw Satan fall like heaven because of what you guys did. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So Jesus is acknowledging, you know, and telling, look what happened when you guys did what I asked you to do. Look what happened when I sent you out. It's not, you know, hey, you know, we're kind of a big deal. Look what we did, Jesus. Jesus is saying, look what happened. But this is really, really, you know, what Jesus wants us to remember. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. You know, Jesus is going to send each and every one of us out to do something. And you know what? To God be all the glory. To God be all the glory. And you know what? Depending on how much we give ourselves, you know, depending on, you go way back into, you know, verse 5. Jesus, borrow the boat. Jesus, I'm not doing that. You're just going to have to preach from the shore because I'm tired. I get, you know, you got the whole, you know, crowd here. You're a big deal. I get it, but I'm tired. Or, you know what, Jesus? Yes, you did heal my mother-in-law. You healed my mother-in-law. So... I'll do this for you. You know, each time we make a decision, each time we make a decision, you know what? Jesus has a miracle on the other side for us. Each time we make a decision to follow him, he's got a miracle on the other side for us. You know what? We may never, ever, ever see the miracles in this lifetime, see the miracles that he's got for us, but he's got a miracle on the other side. He's got each and every one of us, and he wants each and every one of us to be a disciple of his. He's recruited each and every one of you. Spirit of Grace Church is a beautiful church. Spirit of Grace Church is a beautiful church. Why? Well, because Pastor and Trisha are beautiful. Why? Because Jesus, because Jesus chooses week in, week out, to have his presence land on us. Does he have his presence land on us to make us feel good on Sunday? 
And it's like Monday comes, and it's like, wow, that was a good service. Tuesday comes, it's like, oh, I'm tired. Um, i got to go meet with my mentor, and that was a good service. And, you know, and then Bradley peps me back up for the rest of Tuesday. And then Wednesday comes, and I barely limp into chain breakers, and it's like, oh. Jesus wants to be in our miracle each and every day. He wants us to be within his miracle each and every day. He's got each and every one of us. He's got a plan. We get to make a decision each and every day how much we're going to allow him into our life. But when we don't allow him into our life, what miracles do we miss? just going to end with this. If you want joy in your life, <clears throat> go out and do God's work. You'll return with joy as well, just like the 70 did. How does Jesus want us to conduct ourselves? He wants us to conduct ourselves like, you know what? Our names are written in heaven. Be the disciple that Jesus wants you to be. He already knows you're like us. He already knows what a sinner you are. He already knows what a sinner I am. Don't go sell the fish first. Just follow him because he's going to equip you. I thank you so much. I thank each and every one of you. I thank you as a church family. And let's just close together in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this time together. We thank you, Lord, for our church family. We thank you, Lord, for your touch, your mercy, your grace. We thank you, Lord, what you've already done here in each and every class. But we also thank you, Lord God, what you're about to do in this service, Lord God, as we join together. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy, your grace, and your will. Lord, you're worthy of our praise, whether it's today, Thursday, Monday, you're worthy of our praise. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you for fitting this church family fitly joined together, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your love, your mercy, and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray.